I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the Pros.com podcast, where we discuss everything translation and interpreting related, including how to get new clients, areas of specialization, technical skills, software localization, machine translation, diversification, and more. Pros.com, helping freelance translators and interpreters succeed. Hey everyone, Paul here. Welcome to episode 66 of the pros.com translation and interpreting podcast. Today, I have a fantastic interview with Martina Russo. That's coming up in just a second. First of all, a quick reminder that at the end of this month, we have our International Translation Day event taking place. So it's two days of workshops followed by two days of sessions, two days of free sessions. To check out the workshops, head on over to training.pros.com. We've got some of the best names, some of the biggest names in the industry who will be sharing their some of their wisdom and some of their insights and expertise and helping you to succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. So that's training.pros.com to see those workshops. If you'd like to see the main ITD program, that's pros.com slash TV slash ITD 2022. Looking forward to seeing you there. We've got lots of lots of events that whole week, that last week of September. So look out for that. Right. Well, today I'm talking to Martina. We're going to be talking about specialization, SEO, outsourcing, and other topics that I think you'll find very, very useful. Martina is a marketing translation and UX localization specialist. She's been named one of the top localization influencers by Nimsy. She started out as a freelancer in 2010 and now owns and manages Moving Words and the Action Sports Translator, working with some of the biggest names in both industries. She has built and continues building her remote translation business by finding clients exclusively online. Martina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Brilliant. Really looking forward to talking about specialization, among other things uh, today. But uh, first of all, please tell us how you got how you got started. OK, so I started in 2010 at this point while I was already like I was just um, I just started university. So I just took up on a bunch of clients. You don't really know, obviously, at the start what I was going to be doing. Um, kind of gravitate gravitated <laughs> naturally towards marketing translation. That's also part of what I studied uh, for, my, uh, for my bachelor degree course in translation. And, and then over the years, uh, maybe I would say over the past three to four years, I specialized more and more into some, some um, types of software companies, so software as a service, and then on the other end um, into something completely different, which is action sports and the outdoors. Yeah, they are two very... <laughs> very different areas aren't they so um so yeah we'll get in we'll get in more into that as uh, as this episode develops um so martina how did you how did you know that you wanted to go into translation how did it how did that happen uh so how did i know um so i studied languages in high school then i yeah. didn't i didn't like studying so i decided to Moved abroad, went away, went to Germany, worked at a restaurant and bar. Um, and then I, I came back a few, I think a year later, a few months later, um, because I got, um, I got an offer. Like I started working at the National Airline uh, in Italy. Yep. And at the same time, 
my grandma, who used to <laughs> live uh, next to the university, she, all of my family really wanted me to study. And so she was like, look, next to my house, my home, there is this university where they do translation and language studies. So I kind of fell into it. And so the same day that I started working at this airline, I also started my bachelor's degree in translation studies, where I studied translation, interpreting, and communication. So that was, um, you know, that's where my marketing component came from. And yeah, and then I kind of like, I got my first, um, like, <laughs> so I still didn't like studying, so I kind of struggled. But then I really yeah. enjoyed learning, which is something that I still, you know, still like a trait of me. <laughs> I really enjoy learning. I don't like studying. Um, but I and I, I struggled with the stuff like history, literature, all that stuff. Um, but I did really well on anything which involved practical, like translation, interpreting, and all that stuff. Um, and so I really got into it. And when I was working at the airline, I was a ground staff checking people in on flights and stuff. And I got yeah. my very first client through that, uh, doing remote work uh, on the side. And that's how I started, really. Wonderful. Wonderful. Brilliant. So you, st you started out as a freelance translator, that's right? Yes, that was, um, I've been in the industry for 13 years at this point, And for the most part, I've been a freelance translator. Uh, but about, I would say around 2016, uh, I started outsourcing a bit more heavily before it was just like, here and there. And then I would say maybe in 2017, 18, mostly, I kind of grew into more of an agency. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that before we talk specifically about the specialization because I think I think that that journey is very interesting. So so and it and it's not for everyone, right? So not everyone is comfortable with with outsourcing and that's that's perfectly fine. So do you remember your your first outsourcing uh, jobs were you or the first work that you outsourced were you concerned did you have um reservations over quality or anything else how did it feel if you can take yourself back so i don't really recall the first first but i recall the first nightmare one <laughs> um, and then i recall the first bigger one so i'm just gonna talk you through two those two yeah. <clears throat> so my first yeah. nightmare one was so coming from you know as a freelance translator you know we all tend to be like have these like horrible experiences with agencies and stuff and be you know team freelance translator so that's what i did i was quite naive thinking that just because I had high standards and, you know, not letting people down, then everyone would have the same standards as me or as many of our colleagues. And so when I, when I, um, I just rem remember outsourcing to this person who was just, you know, she was very reputable uh, in the industry. Yeah. And so I didn't perform any further checks or anything. I just trusted. Um, and that's, I think, <laughs> the beginning, a lot of us going through this journey, do the same thing, just being naive and just trusting without really like looking into it further. And so it turned out into a bit of a disaster. This person just outsourced to someone else without letting me know that quality was a complete mm -hmm. disaster. And um, thankfully it was into Italian. And so I was able to fix the mess, but obviously it wasn't very ideal. And so that was kind of one of the stepping stones into realizing, okay, this is harder than what it looks like. <laughs> than yeah, what I maybe yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to be. And then the second, like around 2015, I had a tragedy in my family, so I couldn't really work for a few months. Uh, mentally, I wasn't able to. And then around mm -hmm. July 2016, things, I just like felt a bit better, um, like mentally, emotionally. And just like the first project after months of 
like draw simply because I couldn't work. The first project that landed in my inbox was a project request into four languages uh, that came from like a direct client, a big company, uh, and through somebody that I met like previous years work, uh, living abroad. And that's when I put together a little team and we still work today with them. Um, so it's been quite a few years now. And yeah, so that was my first real, more serious setup, I guess. Okay. Okay. So obviously then it's interesting. Yeah. You said that the, the first one or one of the first ones you were able to correct because it was into Italian. So then how did that feel when you started to take on other languages or other language pairs, um, which presumably you weren't personally able to review? Uh, still a bit of naivety there. Like you still think, okay, these people, you know, they're recommended, they're well-known, blah, blah, blah. So you still have that degree of you really want to give that trust and then sometimes it comes and bites back. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's still like very, very hard. And now that I, I have more of a structure, more of a team over the past few years, been building that. Um, so I would say that the first few years, I, and I still do that to some degree, still checking because I understand, you know, four or five languages, maybe even more in the written form. So I can kind of tell when something is supposed to look the way it is. Now, obviously, it's not yeah, sustainable yeah. and it's not scalable. <laughs> but at the beginning, that's what I would do. I would just like check everything and very often, you know, manage to find the things that wouldn't work. Um, at some point, you, if you want to grow into something a bit bigger and make it more scalable, um then you have to develop a system, a process, have the right people on board. And that starts from the recruiting of the people all the way through what systems you use to get them on board. And also at some point, stop being a control freak and kind of yeah, learn, yeah, yeah, learn yeah, to yeah. let go a little bit. But it's hard. Yeah. And I still like, you know, it's, it's still not easy. And I'm still like kind yeah. of battling with that. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Interesting. Yeah. I like the fact that you recognize it is that it is that, you know, ongoing journey. I think that's the case for, for, for many people. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about specialization. So what you've done in terms of specialization is, is really interesting because I know you've got two brands. I know they're both successful. You manage them alongside each other effectively on, on profiles such as LinkedIn. So tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, how did they how did they come about? Which one was first? So the first one is Moving Words, which is how I started trading in, I think, 2013 more officially. Um, but yeah, I guess around, like I said before earlier, I think 2016, 17, I just realized, mm, actually, I am, you know, working in marketing translation. It's not really a specialization. And actually, I don't really enjoy working on coffee, you know, marketing claims or sofa marketing claims. And so where actually is coming, the, where is the work coming from that I really enjoy doing? Um, and also, th that's not the only factor, obviously, that you want to take into consideration because, I don't know, if you like working on some type of content and then there is no demand or <laughs> there is no, um, you, you just can't like charge a high enough rate, then it's also yeah. not going to work out. But yeah. For me, I realized that the specific type of content that really answered all those questions and ticked all those boxes was um, SaaS, um, SaaS localization. Yep. And yep. I kind of started really either recommending other people for other jobs and just really focusing on that a bit more. Because it's also like a very specific type of, type of work as well. 
And so, I've, so software, I've, software as a service, right? Yeah, software as a service. So I've, I've been, I decided to focus more on that. And that is like within that, there are so many different sub verticals and different types of mm. services. Um, and so that's what a real specialization looks like. And then around the end of 2018, I also, uh, I think what happened was that I was looking, because I do rock climbing and snowboarding and all the sports. And I think I went on a yeah. website. <laughs> Of a company. Yeah, I mean, whenever yeah. I see whenever I see you on social media, you're either you I mean you are obviously often posting very useful content about translation and localization, and then there's some of your other posts where you, where you're halfway up this magnificent mountain, um, doing some yeah really kind of extreme uh, extreme rock climbing or something else. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I think I went online and you know wanted to buy like a pair of climbing shoes, and I was like. Why do these translations suck so much? And then I do a bit of research and I was like, mm, okay, maybe maybe I can help some companies there. Um, and so I set that up and it worked. <laughs> so I okay. did my research, yep. I decided to to do that. And now I kind of, I didn't really know whether I was going to be just me, a collective of people. I think that's what it started at, at the beginning. Like I was going to be just leading a collective of people. But in the end, it turned into like a full-blown agency. And now we work with, you know, some of the world's biggest companies in the outdoor space, which is really awesome because it's, you know, it's really cool. And it's yeah, a very... Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, what's funny is that ever since I started doing that and like kind of really pushing and like looking for people and also promoting that, I've seen a lot of translators finally going like, oh, you know what, I really love this. So I'm going to try that as well. And so suddenly yeah, there is yeah. a few more people and even agencies actually specializing in in that now that's quite interesting no wonderful wonderful okay martina could you speak could you speak to something that i've heard quite a lot um over the years which is that specialization is limiting so specialization if you you know if you put a marker down and say hey i'm this type of translator then the fear is that you're going to mm. be excluding clients who come to you with other work that you might actually want a need so how do you how do you see that so i think it's a bit it needs to be gradual so first of all you first of all you don't you don't need to specialize in one thing only like for example what i do and we do now is two different brands we you know i specialize in two things uh and you can do the same like anyone can do the same thing you can pick one two three um the thing is that if you don't specialize in anything and again i'm not talking about marketing or legal i'm talking about sub verticals within those areas then you you know you've heard this before if you don't if you're talking to everyone you're not talking to anyone and that's like a yeah. hundred million times pretend true <laughs> um, <laughs> okay yeah it's, it's, yep. it's really really hard to get your message across and really well and targeted to people um and, and that's like that was a huge switch for me as soon as i started being more targeted then not only did i started getting a flow of leads in those two industries that simply found my website, my LinkedIn. They're just looking for people within those two verticals. So they find us or me online. But I also get other people coming to me with other types of work. And then I can actually pick and choose and I can be like, oh, you know, meh, maybe, or maybe I can just direct them to someone else. So, okay. So you say, do take on other work outside of those two areas when ish. It depends. Ish. Yeah. For me, yeah. it needs to be like strategic. It needs to, yeah. it needs to make sense. But that um, would also aid with the with the transition. So, you yeah. know, would it be true to say that earlier on you might have taken um, more work outside of those two 
areas of specialization. And now that you are more established, it's probably happens um, less frequently. Would that be, would that be fair? Yeah, but I think the thing, what happened is that when I set up the two different brands um, and like I really decided to niche down, at that point I was already well established. So I didn't, mm-hmm. yep. like, I didn't really feel like there was a huge transition, but it's true that before I started getting like auto- automatic leads through, for example, both websites actually, um, then it took maybe six to eight months for the SEO that we did on the website to start working. So, you know, you need to be strategic about your approach and what t- sort of timeline you can expect. Uh, but you can also go after companies that you would like to specialize in and and just, you know, for example, I don't know, just um, set up some sort of deal where they can... Um, provide you with some content and then you can use it in your portfolio. There is like a lot of different ways that you can really kickstart your yeah. um, specialization. Brilliant, brilliant. So you've mentioned you mentioned the two websites. So did you set those up yourself? Did you hire someone to set them up? And, and um, at the risk of asking you too many questions in one go, um, <laughs> could you also talk briefly about what you did in terms of SEO? Yeah, so basically websites uh i had my own as a freelancer or outsourcing uh setup website which is still like the same url as today the same the same link um but then and i originally hired some like an agency to do to do my website which cost me a lot of money i didn't like it but it was there then when i realized i was going to specialize into this software as a service companies obviously i couldn't keep it the way it was it was very vague the messaging wasn't very targeted um, so again, I hired an agency, made a mistake, spent too much money on that one. And then I rehired another agency that actually did what it's there now. Um, but the messaging, they, they said they were going to do the copywriting. I still wasn't like hundred percent sold on it. Um, and then I hired someone else who like specializes in SEO mm-hmm. content, has experience in localization and for those type of clients. And since that happened, like she did a bit of SEO work worked it into the copy so nothing major not like blog content or anything just tar- real target really targeted messaging and seo relevant um keywords boom like every month after after I, I would say it took a few months maybe three four months and then i started getting leads coming in and when it comes to so basically i kept the same link but i redid everything else like it changed completely when um, I decided to set up the Action Sport Translator, the basically what happened was, okay, there is going to be a trade show in January, and I want to go to this trade show and try to market ourselves. I didn't have a structure. I had nothing at that point. And so I thought, okay, I can't go with this website. I need to get something which makes sense for this industry. Um, and so I spent one week working 24-7, set up a website by myself. It was far from perfect. Um, but I set it up pretty quickly. Um, yep. I hired a copywriter. Just it was like a one-page website. It was literally one page with like six yep. sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing, yep. nothing yep. crazy. Uh, hired a copywriter. No SEO involved at all, like zero. Okay. Um, yep. And then I went to the trade show, found my first client, and then it kind of took it off from there. So what right. happened then is that even though we didn't do any SEO co- like work for this website, the niche was so specialized and so targeted that people came across our website anyway. Um, and so that told me that maybe there is more potential there. Um, so that's also why it took a bit longer for that to come to get results in. 
And so this year, I've actually been investing in a proper full-blown SEO strategy and content. And so now we have created like 15 more pages. We're creating the blog content and much more to come. And it works. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, that's brilliant. That's amazing. How do you how do you manage these these different brands at the same time? Do you find that confusing in any way? Well, as you can see, I'm exhausted. <laughs> that's number <laughs> you are one. Always very, you are always very busy and you know, you've got yeah. you obviously got very busy days and lots of meetings and lots of events and everything else. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also because I've transitioned into an agency, so now everything is ten times as hard and as like has you know complex mm. um as a freelancer which i think is going to be most interesting to the people listening to this uh but you know even as an agency basically i think it's very important to understand what channels does industry use does industries industries use like your first of all understand yep. your decision makers where they hang out and then that's going to help you define what kind of channels to go after with which brand um i would definitely say it makes sense to have separate, like at least to some degree, some separate channels um, and marketing materials that's going to mm -hmm. help you yep. really. Because yep. then again, uh, otherwise it's going to be hard again to have. Like if you have one website where you talk to anyone and everyone, then it's going to be very hard. Uh, so I would say, you know, just a one page of website like I've done. That really worked wonders. Uh, and so, and it was really easy and cheap to set up. It literally cost me maybe at a stretch, like 800 euros and maybe, maybe less and one week of yep. my time. Yep. And he brought in hundreds of thousands of turnover or more. And the agency website, which cost me a total of 6,000 the second time because I went through two agencies. Um, yeah. uh -huh. Until I actually reworked the copy, we didn't bring nearly as much. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's how you're approaching. So I would definitely, um, yeah, recommend having some sort of different materials. Um, I mean, what's I'd... also interesting to me on that is that you you also lost some money doing those websites, okay? Or there were yeah. some inefficiencies there, like you you know, some mistakes were made, let's say, in, or, or there wasn't the right fit with the with the with the web design agency or whatever it was. And and despite all of that, the investment that you made all of the investment that you made has paid off many times over. So yeah, yeah. it just shows to me that, you know, sometimes you do work with a company, it doesn't work out. And then if you just go and work with another one and another one until you get it right, then even if you add up all that money that you've spent, then a lot of the time it's still going to be worth it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we are clients to some, you know how we always complain about clients not understanding us and all that stuff. Like we mm -hmm. are clients of, you know, a graphic designer or whatever. And, you know, I went to these people not having a real clear idea of what the content or the pages were supposed to look like. And it showed the first time, yeah. the, second yeah. one, the second time I got it way better. The third time I got it really good. I'm really happy with it now. And, you know, we have to, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> so we have, we will make mistakes yeah, along yeah. the way, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's I do wonderful. Find, so I wanted to also say about like the question that you asked before, like what I do find confusing is, for example, using LinkedIn, which is where mm -hmm. I get most of my ideas. Uh, so <laughs> writing content on LinkedIn, I find it very hard now because most of my audience is freelance translators, <laughs> which I don't yep. necessarily yep. want. But then we have LinkedIn 
sorry, we have the, the, the SaaS company people and then we have the action sports. So that's a bit tricky and that's where I've sort of like devised my own plan there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not super intuitive. No, it's not, it's not always easy. Um, but some, because sometimes you do have to have a home like LinkedIn where it covers several bases at once. But I, but I liked what, I like what you said earlier about you definitely need to have different channels. I mean, not necessarily every single channel is going to be, um, separate. So if you have a, a general bio, then that's going to include all of your, your, your information, but it is important. I think, as you said, to have those separate channels, especially for marketing and, and things like that. So. Yeah, so, for example, yeah. Oh, I I started like two Instagram accounts and then, you know, one is really easy to maintain because it's sports stuff. So it's actually stuff that I do every day. And the other one, you actually yeah, have to, yeah, yeah. you know, write yeah. stuff da, 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 and well, it's not really worth it, you know. So you have to kind yeah. of also, as a freelancer, especially since you're your own social media manager, <laughs> you have to really weight the pros and cons. Yeah, it takes time. It takes it takes time, and I think um, therefore it makes sense to, to to have that strategy. Otherwise, you can fall down that uh, fall into the trap of just posting and posting and not really getting anywhere because you're not, yeah. as you said earlier as well, not speaking to not speaking to anyone if you're trying to speak to everyone. Yeah, exactly. And to that, I would also like to say to whoever is listening to this that like I am the least organized person that you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> That's not uh, true. That's not I'm true. I'm very badly organized, <laughs> like, honestly. So, like, I don't want people to think that, because that's how I feel sometimes. I listen to people and stuff, and then, you know, I, I'm very, I'm not very organized, and I still manage to make it work. So I think I want people to know that, you know, you can create a strategy, and then you don't have to be yeah, yeah. 100% perfect with it. Just have some, some yeah, just some yeah. guidelines to follow. No, it doesn't have yeah it doesn't have to be perfect but i think i think what you what you've proved and you said i mean you have inspired lots of people and 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 you mentioned you know you, you see more and more um more and more companies and individuals uh, specializing i think just sort of in my recollection of talking about specialization because we've been talking about specialization for for many years i think that you were probably the the, the first person or or certainly one of the first people who actually went out and and really did it and really did it properly and you know you weren't afraid to to niche down and I think that really showed and it obviously what's interesting to me is it it really it really worked in terms of the results yeah so I think a lot of people early on were were and and you mentioned this as well were keen to specialize it was sort of this half-hearted specialization say okay well i'm going to go for marketing translation or i'm going to go for legal translation and that's it but even then a kind of a fear to go too far and you said okay i am going to go that far and it worked brilliantly and it's it has inspired lots of other people so i think that's yeah yeah i think one of the reasons i think one of the reasons to actually have also different challenges that you don't have to kill your current presence just to specialize. You can also keep your current presence on one channel and then kind of go all in on another yeah. like I've done. And then that gives you time to rip the benefits. Um, and yeah, cause it's not going to happen, you know, from, from today to tomorrow, but, and also like when you have so many, when, you know, companies want to work with people who really understand them who really, and like once you really start specializing within one niche, then, you can actually really understand like the deep fears and problems and what they're trying to achieve, like these companies. And they're like blown away that you 
Yeah. They, they yeah. feel like you're reading their mind. Yeah. And also then there is not many options, you know, on the market. There's only a few of you doing that type of thing. And that's, yeah. And so that's Probably idea, only one in many cases talking to yeah. the client. Yeah. yeah. So and you immediately like, become the standout option. Exactly. Like the, your authority yeah. goes up, your, um, you know, <laughs> just uh, your credibility, everything goes up. You are way more in demand and then you can also charge more. Wonderful, wonderful, Martina. Well, we're we're very happy, of course, that you are going to take this uh, much further in the pre-conference workshop that's taking place on the twenty seventh of September. That's the twenty seventh of September. It's called Specialization for Freelance Translators: How to Stand Out from the Crowd and Get More and Better Work. I'm just going to read the description very quickly. You should specialize. You've heard it over and over again since the very first moment you stepped into the translation industry. But where and how do you start? How do you pick one niche over another? And what about all the opportunities you're going to lose by focusing on one specific market? In this workshop, we'll look at some concrete reasons that will help and motivate you to choose one or more niches to specialize in. What the actual definition of specialization is Hint, marketing translation is not a specialization, and we'll look at real-life examples of how specializing can skyrocket your business growth. If you've been on the fence or are not sure where to start, don't miss this opportunity. So, brilliant, Martina. Really looking forward to that one. What do you What do you hope to share via that workshop, and, and who do you think it's most suitable for? So, as you said in the description, I would say that anyone who, first of all, has been on the fence and, you know, been um have these fears of like oh am i going to just like miss out on all these opportunities because i want to go for one specialization so that's what, how we're gonna like basically bust this myth and like give specific steps and examples and things that you can do and also anyone who's maybe even starting out and doesn't really know what they want to do going forward um yeah like how you can start looking into which directions like again you don't have to do it right now but I mean, specialization is the way to go. Um, and yep, it's yep. really made a huge difference. So, yeah. Wonderful. So that's training.pros.com to check out that workshop, training.pros.com. Martina, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been uh, it's been really amazing talking to you and all the very best with uh, with all of your your businesses and your, your projects. If you'd like to um, share in the final word, if you'd just like to share your your URLs or how anyone can get in contact with you, please. Okay. So thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to doing this workshop. And if you want to check out uh, our work, uh, obviously there's a few channels, <laughs> but I guess the two main websites you can look at are movingwordstranslations.com and then theactionsportstranslator.com. And if you want to hit me up on LinkedIn, you can find me Martina Russo. Uh, I have a few... Um, Alice's, a few more translators with the same first name and last name as me, <laughs> but you will see, actually, I put SAS localization and action sports um, translations, I think, in my name, so you should see that's me. Brilliant, Martina. All right, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great interview with Martina. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I think there's just an incredible amount of information in there, and it's always good to talk to people who've actually been there and done that or are in the process of... Uh, of going on their on their journey and learning new things and Martina's certainly uh, come a long way and has uh, a lot to teach 
other translators and interpreters. If you'd like to check out Martina's workshop, then head on over to training.pros.com and check out the other workshops as well. That's it from me. Thanks very much for tuning in. All the best. And until next time, bye-bye.